church tonight. Um, Pastor and Deborah are traveling, so they asked me to bring a message tonight. Um, I just want to point out that today is the first day of June, so we have half a year left. Half a year, isn't it amazing? Half of 2022 is already gone. It's incredible. Um, so, I'm sorry, I'm not understanding the directions from the back. Five months are over. Okay, well, all right. We're, it's June. It's halfway, right? In my way of thinking, it's halfway. He's correcting my math. Sorry. So, okay. Well, that's fine. There's something that's kind of been on my mind a lot recently. And so I thought that I would talk about it tonight. And, you know, I'm a communication professor. And so I talk to my students frequently about the amount of media and content that's available out there in the world for us. I mean, it used to be more simple, right? You had ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS, and you had some newspapers and some radio stations. But now we have media all over the place, and you've got social media, and if anything in the world happens, we know it immediately. There is no delay. I mean, it used to be that if you were in the western part of the United States, you didn't get the news for a week, right? But not anymore. We get everything immediately. And because of that, sometimes it's easy to feel overwhelmed by all the things that are going on in the world. And I guess this doesn't bring any you know, surprise to you, but we live in very anxious times. We really do. There's a, and anxiety is an uneasy feeling. You know, it's like there's worry, some concern, apprehension, uncertainty about what's going to happen in the future. And there's a lot of chaos in the world around us right now. And I was looking at the Pew Research Center. I subscribe to them because I use it in classes. And they did a study in May and they found that 70% of the Americans are concerned right now about inflation. 70%, that's the number one concern that everyone has. So in other words, they're very concerned about the price of gas, they're concerned about groceries, they're concerned about you know, having the money to do the things that they want to do because everything costs more. The second thing they're most concerned about, 55% are worried about the cost of health care. Everybody knows if you go to the doctor or the hospital, it costs a lot of money. And right behind that, 54% are worried about crime. Yeah, more than half of Americans are worried about crime. Of course, we've had some high-profile shooting incidents and things like that that kind of bring that up into people's minds. But, you know, sometimes we forget that our neighborhoods probably aren't as violent as some of these things that we see. But... People spend a great deal of time thinking about how they're going to afford things. You know, gas, groceries, vacations, that sort of stuff. And they have apprehension about how they're going to make it until things change. And I think it's the uncertainty of not knowing how long it's going to last that really causes people to sit around and worry about it and think, well, am I going to have what I need? How long is this going to last? Everything is going up so fast and so on. But for those of us who know who we are in Jesus, that sort of concern shouldn't be bothering us, right? Because if you know his promises, and you know he always provides, then you should have that assurance. 
but yet that temptation still exists. I mean, if we, and I, I'm, you know, I'm talking to myself tonight too, because there are, there are times when I look around and I see the messages and the content that's all around me, and I think, wow, there's just a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. But I need to understand and remember what God has done for me. So how can we avoid feeling anxious or nervous about what's happening around us? God actually gave us an antidote for anxiety in the Bible. Because, you know, he's smart. He can look ahead, and he knows that there are always going to be things in the world that cause us to feel overwhelmed or to feel like I don't know what I need to do or what's going to happen here. So he has provided a way for us not to be overcome by the world, and that is through thanksgiving. So that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. I'm going to talk about the importance and the benefits of giving thanks to God. So there are 139 places that I found in the Bible that talk about thanks and thanksgiving. And, I mean, if you think about it, there were entire feasts and holidays that were set up to remember and give thanks, right? And a lot of those are still celebrated in the Jewish culture. And Jesus was a great example of giving thanks. You know, every time he broke bread and the fish and stuff, he always gave thanks. But he also thanked God for other things like hearing his prayers and for either hiding or revealing his will. Um, you know, he gave thanks and he was an example for it. And he taught his disciples the value of thanksgiving. So we're going to start today in Luke 15 verse 8. We're going to look at a parable that he told. And in this, this chapter, he's really talking a lot about God's love for sinners and how there's great joy when someone gets saved. And in verse 8, it says, or what woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So this woman had lost money. I mean, how many of you have lost some money and then found it? Pretty excited when you find it again, right? So she actually called her neighbors and said, hey, look, come rejoice with me. I found it. I found the coin. But he also points out in this parable that actually rejoicing and thanksgiving happen in heaven, right? Because it says there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so those are heavenly actions. Those are things that God likes, those are things that we need to participate in here. So there are benefits to being grateful. And I'm just going to say that the world even knows this. There are, there's all sorts of scientific studies that have proven the benefits of gratitude. And if you go and you look at some of those, you'll find that they say, well, if you have a grateful outlook, then you're going to sleep better. It's going to help your sleep. Um, it's going to help your physical health. It will actually help you improve your, your 
physical health. Um, it'll help make you stronger mentally, and it makes you more resilient. People who have been through very bad events, instead of dwelling on the bad events, if they can kind of turn their thinking around and be grateful for something, then it kind of helps them to be more resilient and make it through while they're, you know, working things out. So I think that even if the world knows that there's a benefit to being grateful, that as Christians, we should have an understanding of how important thanksgiving and gratefulness are. Because... Basically, when we have an attitude of thanksgiving, it helps us to keep our eyes on Jesus, right? So let's talk about that for a few minutes. And remember, I'm talking to myself here too, because I have to remind myself of these things, because if we don't remind ourselves of this, it's really easy to fall into what unsaved people are doing. And we should be better than that. So in studying this topic, I have identified at least seven benefits of thankfulness. And when I talk about thankfulness, um, I'm talking about what God has done for us. It's a remembrance of his provision, his healing, his protection. I'm not talking about, you know, being thankful that the dog was good while you left. That's good. I'm always happy about that. But that's not the kind of thankfulness I'm talking about here. I'm talking about thankfulness that is aimed at God. It is a thankful words and a thankful attitude toward our Heavenly Father. It's giving thanks for His promises, showing faith that you believe those promises are true. That's really important. Right? So... You know, it's giving thanks to God for who he is and what he's going to do and the promises that he's given us. So it's that kind of thanks. I want to make a real distinction between that and the thanks that the world might come up with. So the first thing that I came up with is giving thanks keeps us in his will. Now, do you feel like it's important to be in God's will? I do. I think he's made it clear that that's pretty important to him. So let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. It's one of those chapters I always have trouble finding. That and the Timothys. It's the T's. I don't know why. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, in verse 16, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. I think that's pretty clear that it is God's will that we give thanks. It says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So, those of you who are parents or grandparents, do you like it when you're your child or your grandchild or even your coworker comes up and thanks you for something? Something that you did? I like it. Does it make you more likely to want to do it again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that it makes sense if God tells us this is his will and he's certainly worthy of all the thanks and the praise that this is something that we should do because I want to stay in his will. And he has clearly told us that giving thanks 
keeps us in his will, and that's really important. So number two, giving thanks brings peace in a crazy world. So for this one, let's turn to 2 Corinthians 2. And my wording might be a little different because it's from the New American Standard. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us reveals the fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph. That's quite a promise he has made. We give him thanks because he always has a way for us to win. Right? So it says, who always leads us in triumph. Let's change that and say, who always leads me in triumph. He always leads me in triumph. He always provides a way for me to win. That gives me peace. It's like, it can look like the world is falling apart around me, but if I believe what he has said here, that should reassure me. That should give me a sense of peace. It's like, it doesn't matter what everybody else says. You know, Chicken Little can say the sky is falling, but it's okay, because God has made a way for me already. And I know that. In, in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, you don't have to turn there because you already know it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. The peace of God will guard my heart and mind. If I believe that God's promises are true, and he says he always leads me in triumph, then that should bring great peace into my life. So, are you sick? You know, if you're sick, this should give you great peace, right? If your finances are tight... God's always going to lead you in triumph. He's already made a way for you. And I would say that one of, the, one of the worst things that can fight against your faith is fretting. We use the term fretting when we don't want to say worrying, right? They're kind of the same thing. But if you sit around and you fret about something, then your mind is occupied by the problem. So... You can give lip service to something. You can say, oh, I'm in faith about that. But then you sit around and you fret about it, and it's not God's solution that you're giving thanks for. You are concerned about the problem itself. And we don't get peace just by giving our problem to God. We get peace by thanking him for the promise that he's made for the situations that we're in. That's where the peace comes from. Focusing on his promise brings us supernatural peace. I mean, there are some people who are like, well, I turned that over to God. 
You know, God's going to take care of it. It is his will. He's like, no, 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 no. What you should be saying is God promised me right here in this particular verse that he has provided for me or that he has protected me or that he is, you know, making a way for me. That's what you should be giving thanks for. Because his word is dependable. We can trust his word. And if I'm standing around and saying, well, you know, God's going to take care of it, there is no sort of reassurance in that for me. Because I don't believe it. That's called lip service. So don't give lip service to things. Actually use your faith. And actually thanking God and praising him for what he has done and for his, um, his promises makes a huge difference in what you're focusing on. So, and number three, God deserves the praise. So, he really does deserve the praise. In Psalm 145, it says, All your works will give thanks to you, Lord, and your godly ones will bless you. All your works will give thanks to you. Sometimes I play a little game with myself and I will stop and I'll think, I'm going to give thanks to God for everything that I have right now in front of me that I can see or use my senses for or is in my being. So I might say, I thank you, Lord, that my heart is beating normally. I thank you that my lungs are processing air. I thank you that my eyes function and I can see. I thank you for the trees that you've made. I mean, you can, it, is a, it is exhausting, actually, if you want to stand around and try to do that. I mean, you can even get down to, thank you, Lord, for positioning the earth at a certain distance away from the sun so that it's perfect, right? We don't get burned up and we don't freeze. It's awesome, you know, what he has done. So if... He deserves the praise. You think about it. Think about what he's done. It's just you cannot give enough thanks for it. It's amazing. In 2 Corinthians, I'm going to read this out of the Passion. Is 2 Corinthians 4, um, 13 through maybe 14, maybe 15. It says, we have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, first I believed, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believe and then speak in faith. And verse 14 is what I really want to concentrate on. We do this because we are convinced that he who raised Jesus will raise us up with him. And together we will all be brought into his presence. So let's... He who raised Jesus will raise us up with him. And together, that means us together with Jesus and God, we're all going to be brought into this presence. We're all, wow. Does he deserve your praise? Does, he, does Jesus deserve our thanksgiving? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in James, this is also the Passion, in 117, it says, Every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect. 
streaming down from the Father of lights, who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. Every gift he gives us is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights. I like that. I like that. He always gives you good stuff, right? It's not like, you know, those disappointing Christmas gifts. I've gotten a few of those over the years. Not, not lately, though. Not lately, just not to cause concern in the room. <laughs> Nothing lately. But I've had some real bad ones in the past. Um, but God gives us good stuff. And not only that, this points out that it comes from heaven to us. Right? We access it how? With the promises and with our faith. But he, he gives us amazing things. And it says he's never subject to change. He's not like people. You know, people might change their minds. They might not keep their word, but God always keeps his word. So he deserves all the praise that we can give him, and he deserves the thanks. Okay, number four. Giving thanks helps us recall testimonies of what God has done in our lives. In Psalm 118, 29, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy is everlasting. Has God been good to you? Wow, he's been so good to me. I mean, it's incredible. You know, when we sing the song about, you know, the goodness of God, you know, sometimes it causes me to cry to when I think about how good he has been to me. It is amazing. And when we focus on what he has done for us in the past, it gives us hope and faith for the future. Right? So if, if I had a financial need in the past and God provided a way for me and I have a financial need now, I can look at what he's done for me in the past and say, you know what? It's going to be fine. Because God has given me a promise that he's going to provide all of my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And remember that what he's done in the past, that, that testimony that we have, pastor tells us, that means that God wants to do it again. And there's a great hope in that for me. In Ephesians 5, 4, it says, There must be no filthiness or foolish talk or vulgar joking, which are not fitting, but rather a giving of thanks. And I used to read that verse, and I thought, does this mean I can't do anything except give thanks? Because that would be kind of strange, you know, to walk around all the time saying, I give thanks to, and not that he doesn't deserve it, but that's not really how we communicate, is it? But what I finally realized is that what he considers foolish talk would be stuff like saying that you can't afford gas. Would that be foolish talk? For us, that's foolish talk, right? Or saying, well, I can't go buy groceries or I'm not going to be able to buy what I need at the grocery store because, you know, those prices have gone up since last week. It's like, well, they might have gone up since last week, but that doesn't mean it applies to you. That's going to sound really weird to a lot of people, but I know that God provides what I need. And it doesn't matter. There, you know, I have the money. There is more where that what I already have came from. 
But that is offensive to God if you say things like that. Can you imagine if your child uh, was walking around saying, well, I don't know if I'm going to have any shoes this year because, you know, you know, there's inflation. Things are expensive. I just don't know if I'm going to have any shoes. How would you feel as a parent? You'd be like, smack, what are you doing? Don't you be talking like that. That's offensive to me because that is my responsibility and I will take care of you, right? So it's offensive to God. You know, that is foolish talk. So don't joke about running out of gas. You know, don't make jokes about eating ramen noodles until everything gets better with inflation. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to eat ramen noodles. I, I have, we have moved on past that, right? So remember, what you talk about, what you focus on, that's what you're going to have. So if you spend your time talking about lack, what are you going to have? Lack. So if you spend your time praising him and thanking him for provision, what are you going to have? Provision. So you have to get your mind and your mouth working together. You have to focus on what he's already done, and he's ready to do again. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, number five, gratitude leads to joy. And joy, you, you think about joy, it's like it's beyond happiness. It's just like, it's just like happiness rolling over you, and you just, you just, you know, it's just coming out, and you can't stop it, right? Joy is amazing. And in Psalm 126, 1 through 3, it says, When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with joyful shouting. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are joyful. And this psalm was written when Israel was returned from captivity. Can you imagine being held captive and being slaves for all those years? Can you imagine the joy of going back to your homeland? Now, that doesn't mean there weren't challenges waiting on them. There were a lot of challenges, right? But they were joyful. They were grateful that they had been released and returned. And we all have situations that are so joyful. I remember when our son was born, and we brought him home. That was a great day. You know, when you have that new little bundle of life and you bring it home, it's so incredibly overwhelming. It's just wonderful because you look at it and you say, gee, God trusted us with you, you know? And that's just a, a wonderful sense of joy. And that doesn't mean there weren't challenges, you know? Lack of sleep being chief among them. Or when the baby cries and you can't figure out because he can't talk to you yet. But you know what? There's so much joy. It just kind of makes a way for all the challenges to be overcome. Because God always provides for you. So there's that joy. And sometimes we're in situations where you feel like, well, I don't really feel like rejoicing. I don't, I don't really want to. Um, 
But you have to remember that what you can see is always subject to change. Whether that's something going on in your body or whether it's your finances or whether it's a relationship, it's always subject to change. And our prayers have power. And God has taken care of you before. He will do it again. So you need to praise and thank him until your worry turns into joy. Because that gratitude that we have, that thankfulness, can bring joy into our lives. And I don't know about you, but I like experiencing joy. Number six, thanksgiving is a form of worship. In Psalm 138, 1, it says, I will give you thanks with all my heart and sing your praises before the gods. I will give you thanks with all my heart. That sounds like worship. In Psalm 32, he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who sets his way properly, I will show the salvation of God. An offer of sacrifice of thanksgiving honors him. It brings worship to him. And this is from the Passion. It's Psalm 30, 12. I'm sorry, I know I have a lot of verses tonight. You can just write them down, I guess. How could I be silent when it's time to praise you? Now my heart sings out, bursting with joy, a bliss inside me that keeps singing, I can never thank you enough. That's awesome. Because I really can't thank him enough. It's like I was saying earlier, you know, if you just stop and you try to thank him for everything that you can see or experience right now, you can't do it because there's so much. We really can't. So sometimes, I don't know about you, there are some days when I don't have time to do a full Bible study and prayer time. If you don't have time to do that, spend some time in Thanksgiving. You know, thank him for things. Because a lot of people see prayer as a time to take him a laundry list of things. I need this and this and this and this. Well, instead of that, maybe we should look at it a different way. And we should say, I'm going to come and I'm just going to give you thanks today. Because we know that he already knows what our needs are. And he's already promised to meet them. So why not spend some time just in thanksgiving? That's a form of worship. And I guarantee you that when you finish, you will feel refreshed and you will have worshiped God. So so give him the praise he deserves. And number seven, thankfulness takes your focus off the problem. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. It says, who gives us the victory? Do we have the victory? I do. I have the victory. Do you have the victory? Yes, you do. Now, does it always feel like we have the victory? No. Does that mean we shouldn't give thanks for it? We should always give thanks for it, right? 
2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. There's a lot in that one. So it says he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So he gives you seed to sow. He gives you bread to eat. So he gives you your needs, and he also gives you something that you can sow as an offering, right? We're also giving tithes, obviously. And it says he's going to supply it, but he's also going to multiply it and then increase the harvest. That's pretty cool. So if I'm looking at some sort of need, a financial need in my life, I can look at this and say, it's going to be okay. Because I thank you, Lord, you have already promised this for me. And I call that into existence right now. I call that into my life. And in Psalm 37, 17, 19, it says, For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil, and in the days of famine, they will have plenty. That's a nice promise. And that's Old Covenant. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil, and the days of famine, they will have plenty. Now, I don't know about, about y'all, but even during all the supply chain disruptions and things, we haven't gone without. You know, even in the time of toilet paper shortages, we had toilet paper. You know, he took care of us. And it says he sustains the righteous. Are we the righteous? Yes, we are. Will he sustain us? Yes, he will. And in Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. So if you are looking at his kingdom and what he's done for you, and you're giving him thanks for it, you're taking your focus off the problem, and you're actually putting it on the solution. It's always better to focus on the solution than the problem. You know, if you think, well, you know, I might not have enough until the end of the month because things cost more. It's like, nope. You think God can't provide that for you? If I were him, I would be offended by that. I'm going to say, thank you, Lord. You're going to make sure I've got everything that I need this month. All my bills are paid and I've got extra. I'm living in abundance because your word says so. So an attitude of thanksgiving and praise is really seeking first his kingdom. You know, if you're giving thanksgiving, you are looking at his kingdom. You're looking at his provision. You're looking at what he is, has promised to do for you. So that is seeking first his kingdom. It's saying we acknowledge your power. You know, it's like the song we sang tonight, the name of Jesus, you know, is powerful, the name of Jesus. You know, we're just going to magnify it. Um, we're acknowledging that. We're acknowledging 
your promises and your might, and we're relying on you in this situation. That is seeking first his kingdom. But we can't do that if we're always looking at the problem. Or if we're just passively agreeing with what other people are saying or what we hear from the media or anything like that. You have to get your mouth and your head in gear. You know, you have to focus on him. So just because other people are staying at home and driving around because they say they can't afford gas does not mean that it applies to you. It probably just means that they don't know that God can provide all that for them. You know, we are well taught here. You know, we know about these things, but a lot of people don't. Even people who are saved, they don't understand God's promises. And they don't understand probably a lot of the things that, that we talk about here because they haven't been taught the way we have. So when we seek him first, he has promised all of these things to us. So that's seven benefits that I came up with to thankfulness. But I have a challenge for you. I want to challenge you to start a gratitude journal. And even though we're not technically halfway through the year, as I got corrected earlier, we're almost halfway through the year. Um, so if you think about all the things that God has done for you so far this year, if you don't write them down, you forget about them. I mean, even sometimes the bigger things, they get eclipsed by other big things, and you don't remember them as much. So think about the things that God has done for you and start writing it down. And it can be really simple. It doesn't have to be a separate journal. Like with mine, it's like my notebook that I bring to church and I take my notes in. I just have one page and I just write things in and I date them or I check them off or things like that. And so you can get a notebook if you want, but I, I like carrying it with me so that when I'm in prayer, I can flip to that. And I can look at it and I can say, thank you, Lord, you did this for me. Thank you. And it really creates more of an attitude of gratitude, if you guess you could say. Um, because when you start to feel like you're being impacted by the world and all the chaos around you or all the emergencies that, you know, are going on in the world, um, if you read through the journal, it gives you peace. It gives you those things that I talked about tonight. It takes your focus off of the situations around you, and it focuses on God. It seeks his kingdom. And um, it will bring you peace. I really think it has brought, it brings me peace to think about those sorts of things. And actually, at our house, I started something in January. There's just a little jar on a table with little pieces of paper underneath it. And when something happens that you want to give thanks for, you write it on a piece of paper and you put it in the jar. And on New Year's Eve, we're going to take all the little slips of paper out. And then we're going to say, look, God did this this year. And it's just a way for our family to think about all of the blessings that he has given us and to keep in focus what he does for us on a regular basis. Because sometimes when we think we have emergencies, it's like, oh, God, you've got to come through this time. But you know what? He has come through on a daily basis all year long. And sometimes we don't record that. So I challenge you to have 
a gratitude journal in some way or a gratitude page or whatever you want to call it. But just keep up with what God has done for you. And I think that it will change your life because it will really make that be more real to you. And sometimes when you're in prayer and you really want to thank him for something, you just flip to that and say, I'm just going to thank you for these things that you've done for me. And I know you want to do it again. So anyway, I hope that was helpful for you. Um, An attitude of thankfulness, I believe, really can change our lives. So, all right. Um, Before we leave tonight, I just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When we look back over our lives and all the ways that you have provided and protected us, it's so humbling. It's amazing what you do for us on a regular basis. Thank you, Father. Jesus, we just lift you up and we thank you that you are king forever. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, that you love us so incredibly much. You have created wonderful lives for us, and you always provide a way for us to win. And we give you the glory and the honor for that. Amen. Thank you for joining us tonight online.